Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Brandy Scalace. Brandy <laughs> is the author of several works of nonfiction, including Mr. Humble and Dr. Butcher and Death's Summer Coat, What Death and Dying Teach Us About Life and Living. The Framed Women of Ardmore House is her fiction debut and the start of a mystery series starring Joe Jones, a neurodivergent, hyperlexic book editor. A former professor of English and Gothic literature, Brandy has an abiding love of mystery. She writes about gender politics and history, medical mystery, and neurodiversity for outlets such as Scientific American, Wired, Crime Reads, and Medium. She's the creator of the Peculiar Book Club that brings best-selling authors together with their readers. Like Joe Jones, Brandy is autistic, though has not, to her knowledge, been a suspect in a murder investigation. <laughs> Welcome, Brandy. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I learned before we started recording that Brandy is not only autistic, she's also hyperlexic, which I think you have to define for our audience. But first, before we get to the <laughs> nitty gritty, tell our listeners, I loved this book, loved it, loved it. Tell us our um, listeners about the Framed Women of Ardmore House. Sure. So Joe Jones has had, she's had a rough year before you meet her, essentially. she uh, She's divorced and she sort of lost her job in the divorce, which is complicated because it was a publishing house. And she, her mother gets ill. She takes care of her mother. All this happens before the book starts. But when her mother dies, she finds out she's inherited this property from a side of the family she does not know exists. She's apparently the only person left alive in this family line. And she gets this estate in England, uh, in the Pennine region, which is sort of uh, North, North Durham, Yorkshire kind of area. And so she has nothing to lose. She decides okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and see what this is all about. And then she arrives and the house is falling down and everything's weird and she's struggling to kind of connect with people. And then a dead body turns up on the carpet. So it's just a, it's a whirlwind couple of days. You know, she's not it's, even over the jet lag yet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, what I, I love about her too is that, I mean, literally she's like a book lover. There's like a, you know, there's this beautiful room in the top of, it's got a hole in it. There's a hole in the ceiling. And as we know, ceiling. it rains quite a bit over in England. So yeah. the, everything, like most of the books are destroyed and, and yeah, and she does, she finds, she says, I love that she's staying at the, what is she saying at the red um, the red, red lion? lion? Yeah, I love mm -hmm. it. So she's staying at the red lion, and she makes friends. Tula is her first friend, who is um, yes. works at the red lion with her um, boyfriend partner Ben. Um, but her, her it man is toy. her man exactly. Tula's got. It. She's our first kind of like don't mess with this woman. I which I yeah. love because she's an outsider too. Tula is also mm -hmm. even though she's yeah. been there forever, she's also an outsider. Right. Um, okay. First of all, I want to make the. And we talked about this before we were started recording too. If you guys are lovers of Stuart Turton, which you should be if you're not, the seven and a half deaths of ha Evelyn Hardcastle and the devil and the dark water, this is, reminds me of those books. And those are some of my very, very favorite um, cozies. I'm not normally a big cozy reader, but um, so witty, so sharp. Joe is hilarious. Um, 
And her, let's talk about her autism because with Joe, it makes her, it's that extra level of, it's really hard to sort of meet people and talk about things. And yeah. Well, and so, you know, I also spend a lot of time in Britain and even though I live in the United States, uh, I, I, I did research there as a graduate student. I did a lot of things and I, I'm, I make, I am about as socially able as like an orangutan, um, which is the only the only primate that does not live in groups. <laughs> so it's a solitary ape. But uh, so I make social faux pas anyway, and I've, I've learned to mask. I've, I've become very adept at things. But then when you have to translate that into another culture, um, it can be really jarring, especially if it's a culture that also speaks your language because you get lulled into this false sense of security to know what's going on. Uh, and you don't. And so similarly, she's she's trying to make friends and she keeps forgetting to do the basics, like eye contact or introductions or telling people her name. Right. Um, yeah. And I have to tell you a funny thing. When I wrote the book, the first the first draft I sent it to my editor, it kind of uh, like I was like, oh, that's just too embarrassing. Then they kept saying, could you put more of her autistic traits in here? And I thought to myself, never in the history of autism has any autistic person been asked to be more <laughs> autistic than we already are. <laughs> it's always like, could you be less, maybe? Uh, so I, I really just opened it up and let people see what it's like to be inside the head of somebody who's yes. trying really hard right. to make things work. And it does make sense until you see it from the other, from outside. <laughs> Well, and I think the funny thing about it is too, is like some of those traits are just like a little bit of the discombobulation of being in a new country and yeah. having this mm -hmm. property. And then, but then it goes a couple steps further and you think, oh God, like that's, you know, there it is. That's her, you know, that's her brain, um, you know, that's her brain working, like not her neurodivergence, but, and then this hyperlexicity, is that how you say it? Hyperlexity? Anyway, her hyperlexedness. <laughs> that makes her like a whole it's a whole other thing right yeah. I mean she basically yeah. so tell our listeners what that means okay so hyperlexic is you so normally when people are diagnosed with autism they're diagnosed as children and that's because it's easier because once you have developed your teenager or whatever it's much easier you've learned already like how to hide stuff you've heard learned already to be like oh don't do that in public right so um it's much harder to test for so I was somebody who was not diagnosed as a small child even though we all knew <laughs> but it was like my it was I grew up in this I was born in the 70s and and it was just um it looked frowned upon and and people didn't know what to do about it and so I didn't get a diagnosis until much later I'm saying that because hyperlexic uh is something that you diagnose children with usually it means they they learn to talk incredibly early they're precocious readers they read well above their grade level um words are just like meat and potatoes right words are their thing so that was that was true of me as a child I see less talk about what it's like to be a hyperlexic as an adult so my next so me telling you this is not something I've pulled out of research because I don't see a lot on it but um I am a super reader I I review books for the Wall Street Journal mm -hmm. and they can give them to me like two days before <laughs> before they want the review, I just read them overnight and then I write a review because that's, I read really, really quickly. Uh, in fact, I read so fast. I don't really read individual words so much as I sort of read a page, kind of. It's hard to, it's really hard to explain. Joe tries to explain it and does a bad job for the same reason. Um, <laughs> because it is, it's difficult. But but words have a, a kind of, um, it's almost like synesthesia in the sense that like words have a, 
a shape and a personality and uh you know not quite to the point of having colors but kind of so it's it's something that is i'm deeply attached to and i remember kind of everything wow uh, except names which is hilarious. Ah, so i have like right. name blindness right which would be super useful but i can tell you you know who died of what in the 16th century so um that makes me i'm a researcher a science researcher as well and so I just realized we started this by me giving you weird facts about orangutans. So that's the kind of stuff I do all the time. <laughs> that's awesome. I love, first of all, I followed you. So I don't know what that says about me, but I also feel like I might be about as socially awkward as an orangutan. So, um, but anyway, but I, I get that hundred percent. And I do love what you're saying about it, which is that there's, and I don't, I don't read like that, which that sounds lovely, but um, cause of course I'm reading you know, I, I have four books a month for the podcast, in addition to sort of whatever else I want to need to, uh, I'm supposed to read. But it's, um, but that is interesting that it is like a, I almost picture it like a sort of 3D experience when you look at a page. That's really fascinating. Kind of, yeah. It's just, um, it's hard to explain, but it, the one bad thing about it is it does mean to, to I'm an editor as well. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I'm also an editor. <laughs> I'm, I am forced to read much more slowly if I'm editing, obviously, right. because you have to pay attention to every single word. So I have to, I have two modes and it's just really important not to get them confused. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're flipping through the pages of the things you're supposed to go slow on. That's so interesting. Well, it's fun that Joe has so many similarities to you. I love that. And I love that you spent time and it feels like you spent time in your, in, in um, Britain. It just feels so authentic. And there's so many lovely characters. And I'm, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to run through all of them, but I do want to point out that there's two, and I know this is a series, the beginning of a series, which is so exciting. Yes, yes. There are two men um, <laughs> in, in Joe's new um, British life that I think are very lovely candidates for the next book. Yeah. So, and I know you know who they are, um, but there's a detective who I love, uh, McAdams and his partner, uh, Rachel Green. Am I getting that right? Sheila Green. Yeah. Sheila Green. Oh yeah. Okay. Her partner is Rachel. So, um, yeah, she, um, he is lovely and I think wonderful. And also, I'm going to, it's, it's, it means William, but it's, it's pronounced not Willem, Willem. Willem. Yeah, that's right. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's basically <laughs> the Welsh version of William, uh, Gwillem, and it's spelled strange. And I, I struggle with spelling it because I always swap the I and the Y. Yeah, I would too. Uh, I mean, I could absolutely see that. Well, the fun thing too is that she does this thing where she's, you know, researching this house and trying, she's really trying to identify the framed woman has this lovely sort of, you know, double entendre because she's trying to figure out who these, this, the people, this woman is in this painting. And she goes, you know, she takes a three hour train ride to find a guy who sells stuff on eBay. And he's also like a super fun, that's what I mean by these are the Stuart Turton moments where I'm like, that is a character out of, you know, just, he's so clever. He's so out there. He's so fun. You know, all the characters kind of keep us guessing. And, and, you know, even McAdams who's sort of, no, I mean, he's like, seems like an average detective sort of, but you know, he's anyway, he's not. So he's it's so fun. He's an average guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, a he's more surly or surly sort of cranky um can't quite get his head around this bizarre american woman who and that's the other thing is like i i get asked with some regularity when i am in britain because uh, I, I work for the, i work i run a journal uh for the bmj so i work and i go there and i had people at the bmj ask me at one point they're like is this an american thing or is this a you thing <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, you know, and I could blame it on being American. I'd be like, uh, no, yeah, that's all Americans are. No, it's a, that's just a me. But it's probably, right. It's some combination, but yeah. It's like, you're like, mostly it's me. You would actually, I would say you don't want to blame it on America. Being American is not the thing to be these days anywhere. So I would stick with the, I think you got a leg up from the rest of us um okay so I want to talk about this and you know I, I love how open you are about autism and it's something that you know we've seen in some tv shows we occasionally run into it in literature but it's not it's not very you know well um and obviously so many people you know are diagnosed with autism and yet our yeah. understanding of it at least the lay person's understanding of it still seems really vague so I'm now I'm curious about clearly writing Joe Jones was mm felt very authentic to you. I know your editor was like, we want more of that. We want more of that, which I think is lovely because she's so endearing and also do not mess with her because she remembers everything. She's very smart. She's putting the puzzle together before you even realize that there are pieces. Um, so that's, it's all really, it's, it's super fun and engaging, but I, what was it like to write the other people? Like, have you spent so much time sort of mimicking neuro yeah. neurotypicals? So, um, I don't know if you there's a there's a show I like to watch uh called Resident Alien with Alan Tudyk in it okay if your listeners have seen it it's an alien attempting to be human and doing it badly and that is basically what most of my life has been like so I've had to make this very comprehensive study of human nature so I look I I sound I, I sound pretty normal I think I'm doing a pretty good job sound very human today I'm humaning really well but um, but like I had to learn this. And so I had to study like, okay, how do these facial expressions or this body language, uh, how, in what way does that communicate um, emotion, for instance? Because I have emotions and autistic people have emotions. We're also quite empathetic. We get accused of not being it, but it's just because we don't process or express in the same way. And so I remember as a small child being like, okay, if you're upset, here are the things you do to express like okay they don't get that you're upset they don't understand and this right. is this is also why autistic children will will have meltdowns because they've yeah. actually been trying to tell you something but it's like it's but not working not and then right. you, you know or you just don't see it so I've learned a lot so I have developed I have an extremely expressive face because I have intentionally learned all of this kind of stuff to do with your face to communicate things body language wise I'm a performer um because all life is performance for me a little bit, but also I, I am a, a public speaker and I have done performance. And so that is part of that ability to kind of go, okay, I want to connect with the world really badly. So I need to study them and I'm a researcher. And so it, it just seemed perfectly natural for me to read all of you like books. Right. <laughs> so you're right. Just all my books. Right. <laughs> so you're, yeah. Um, well, you, I mean, yeah. So talk about that. I mean, it's like, so basically, did you character sketch these characters? I mean, because they're all very different too. We're not talking about like, you know, one type of human expression and what McAdams has gone through. Um, I mean, it, you know, there's there's lots of layers to them. And yeah. Fleet, what Fleet's people, gone through. I mean, there's lots of stuff. People, people are so multidimensional and that is true whether you're neurodivergent or neurotypical, whether you have ADHD or autism or none of those things we're all very multi-layered and the the big difference i think for me is um processing so for instance if this is not true but i'm going to make it true for a minute cuz it'll make it easier to explain um it's like imagine that you've got circuits coming in and circuits going out of your head 
<laughs> and you've got information coming in and then it needs to get to the other side. And so imagine like you've got red, blue, green, yellow, right? Some wires going down. But coming out my other side is like purple fuchsia. It's It doesn't match. And so I have to figure out how to translate this mm-hmm. into whatever current needs to come out there. And that is, um, that's true for everyone. Actually, we all do this. We all code switch. We're always doing this all the time. But if you have the kind of the wiring that lots of, if, if, if a whole bunch of people have very similar wiring, they're not going to have a problem talking to each other because they're all going to kind of understand that input and output. Yeah. Um, I, I just happen to have wiring that's different coming out the other end. But what's fascinating about autism, uh, autism in general and autistic people is that the, it varies so widely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you get a group of autistic, I wonder if that, wonder what the collective noun for that, is. a group of autistic people together, a confusion. If you have a confusion of autistic people together, <laughs> um, no, it's actually not. I think the collective noun for autistic people is special interest. Um, but, but I love yeah. it. I mean, I, I think it's very clever. <laughs> you should use that in your next book. It's such I should, I So she, she, um, if you get together with a bunch of them, we all go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But not because the wires are the same. We just yeah. get the, the, what the mix-up is kind of and right. we're all working on translation so we're very very different and that is wonderful and there's not a lot of one thing I will say about the autism community is there's not a lot of like there's none of this are you autistic enough kind of thing everyone's just like yeah that's fine nobody would admit this if it wasn't true <laughs> um so anyway I I do I do understand people I do um and I work really hard to understand them and so the way I create characters is the way I kind of, uh, I see situations unfold. And then I have to put the people who belong in those situations there. And so I, rather than being a, you say there's plotters and pan- pantsers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wish it was more of a plotter because these are mysteries and plot matters. Yeah. Uh, but I tend to see the scene and then go, well, you know, the kind of people who should be in this scene. And then they sort of develop from there. Yes. And so it's, it, it's very much a ground up sort of thing. Um, I don't really have, you know, I, I would actually be really terrible for role-playing games, you know, where you have to develop your little, right. your little character <laughs> because Super they vast. get way too complicated. Right. Like, that would be the whole game. Right. You're like, I'm not done with my character yet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, days. I love that. Actually, that's, it makes perfect sense to me. And I think in the same way, that's, we, you exercise muscles that most, most of us don't exercise that often. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is to try to understand. And we're not that good at it, even with people who are, you know, think the same circuits we do. I think that's a really special thing about where you come from and probably one of the gifts you bring into your writing and to your speaking and to all the things you do, because you, I mean, because of the autism, you're forced to, and you have learned to give mm-hmm. everybody a little more like leeway and space and attention on how they're trying to express themselves and and that's you know yeah that's that's admirable we need we all need more of that well and I also was told by my editor that I managed to write the best drunk people yeah apparently I do really good drunk dialogue I guess I love that that's that is true. It's a lot of really good drunk dialogue in there, especially with the <laughs> sisters. The sister one sister is very drunk a lot of the time. Oh yeah, I don't think she's so, sober the entire book. <laughs> yeah, there is so yeah, there is so much fun stuff there. Um, so I, I noticed in your, I mean, you have a sort of you mentioned that you're a mystery lover and that you know you were a professor of gothic literature yeah. and all these like fun eclectic interests, and that you appeared on Mysteries of the Museum. I saw that and I was like, okay. 
Where did your love of mystery come from? Do you remember? Like, was it always? Oh, gosh. Um, I have to, things have to make sense. And it makes me insane if they don't make sense. So yeah. if I'm seeing someone's response and they're upset, they're, they're you know, I, you have to figure out why that is, right? You have to sort out what that means. Um, and I loved mystery so much that I tend to make mysteries out of things that aren't mysteries. Like I found out that if you read Uncle Tom's Cabin backwards, then you just start at the last chapter and Uncle Tom is dead. And you think, how did Uncle Tom die? And then you read the rest of the book backwards, chapter by chapter, and it becomes a mystery. And you solve it at the end. <laughs> so um, you can do that with anything in life, really. That is hilarious. I had not heard that about <laughs> Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, but I, I, it makes perfect sense. And I, I understand what you mean. I think I like them for the sort of a similar reason, right? They're a way of making sense of things with of things that don't make sense like death you know or murder or you know revenge or all those things that don't really make sense when you put it back you know when you put them together with us in a certain sort of situation and you add the gas and light it on fire well then it makes sense and i kind of love that so my one my my most recently published nonfiction was mr humble and dr butcher which sounds like fiction but isn't actually sounds like a great murder mystery title but um is nonfiction. and there again someone came to me and said, you know, that time when, cause I live in Cleveland, you know, that time when that Cleveland doctor um, swapped those two monkey heads and the monkey lived with a different body. And I was like, what? And so I had to write a whole book about it. Cause I was like, what, what, how, what? No. <laughs> and so he literally, like, I mean, brain surgery. Yeah. 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 He's a brain surgeon. He, he transplanted the head of one monkey onto the body of another monkey oh. uh, and it lived and he was practicing to do it for people. And I was just like, that can't be real. And so, of course, now now this piece of information is a problem because I need to know right. why. Right. <laughs> and right. then I wrote an entire book and it ends up being a history of organ transplant and it takes place during the Cold War and like all this crazy stuff happens. And this guy did transplant monkey heads and it's very weird. Um, and wow. he was good friends with a pope and a lot of other bizarre things that don't make sense. And I ended up having to go to Moscow to research the book. So um, you just, yeah, if there's a, I hate things I can't figure out. And I just end up. I love that. A lot so you just fall, you're like, yeah, you're well, and you're doing something productive with it, right? You're not just doing the work, you're sharing it with the world. So those of us, you know, who want to understand that, how in the world that worked with the, you know, switching heads on yeah, monkeys. That, that's, that's another, that's another autistic trait. We, um, we, we don't just have special interests. We want you to have them too. So. <laughs> Sharing <laughs> special interests. Yeah, real bad. Uh, you know, um, my mom used to trot me out at parties when they needed answers to things. I was like a little dictionary. Come out I and be like, Brandy, that. tell them the thing. <laughs> but yeah. Tell them the thing. I love it. So what, tell us about Mysteries in the Museum. I, I feel like oh. you were on, yeah, you were on that. that. for. I was on that a couple times. I'm also, believe it or not, I'm right now, uh, <laughs> this past Friday, in fact, on a show with Dan Aykroyd called The Unbelievable, which is very similar and Don Wildman is also on the show, The Unbelievable. And I actually just missed him because I went in for filming at A&E and his coat was still there. And I was like, don't, because I wanted to shake hands with Don Wildman. But um, yeah, uh, how did I end up in there? Let's see, I, I used to work in a medical history museum. Uh, I absconded from academia. So I was, a, I was a professor and then I ran away and I became a museum person. And uh, we had a really weird medical history museum of strange things like 
um, you know, historical contraceptive devices, of which crocodile dung is one, and you won't believe where you put that. But um, yeah, not pleasant, but apparently worked. So anyway, this weird museum had stuff in it, and they contacted us and wanted to do a show. And then I did the show, and I was incredibly also very weird, apparently. And they were like, well, we should do that again. So I was, I think I've been (laughs) on three of those and now I've been on two or three uh of shows with Dan Aykroyd for the unbelievable um I am I, I do talk about the monkey heads <laughs> I love that I, I mean I love it you have like such a such a wide variety of experiences and interests it's fabulous I mean really Just enthusiasm enthusiasm for things that are real bizarre tends to get you on tv sometimes I would yeah I would imagine well especially if you're smart enough to you know research it and learn about it and be able to talk about it so yeah there's that too yeah yeah there's a there's a little more to it than that (laughs) then I get it otherwise you end up in prison usually I think if you're just interested in I always worry about I mean you're a writer you're write thrillers you understand this my search history in my browser is like someone should delete that if I die because yeah it's like not good is where- yes it's true our search engines are they would get us in trouble if we couldn't yeah. then show the proof of what we do so i think we're right that's true yeah. i mean it's, yeah. it's like yeah though i will say i i just i think the algorithms for many search you know how they want to try and sell you things yeah search engines right they're very confused because they're like well she was looking up syphilis and now she's <laughs> looking up poison and there were <laughs> elephants and now there's this whole thing on orangutans because I did check into orangutans because I thought, you know, I can't, I can't keep referring to myself as an orangutan. Unless you know enough, right. That Unless makes sense. I know enough about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you put all those things together, it'd be a hell of a talk show. I mean, you, right. You should have a podcast where you just talk about the sort of random things that you're working, you know, I do. I love it. What is that? <gasps> That's a peculiar book club. So even uh, though uh, it's other people's books, but invariably um, I choose books for the show based on my own particular mm-hmm. interest. It is most of them are nonfiction. We do some mystery too, um, but we do a lot of nonfiction. Like Ed Young was on our show, um, and uh, Carl Zimmer, Mary Roach. You know who did Stiff? The yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I have so, that book on my shelf. Actually, I think everyone has that book on their shelf. I, but yeah, should, so yeah. we we talk about a lot of weird stuff. And I read it on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook group too, and um, because. It's called the Peculiar Book Club. I've attracted a lot of peculiar people, who many of whom are also, I think, on the spectrum of uh, various spectrums, probably. And so <laughs> we just get together and be real weird together a lot. So yeah, it is. It's surprising how many people are interested in all the weird things. Of course. I mean, don't you think? Like it's, yeah. I think that is that makes total sense to me. I don't know why that makes it just completely makes sense to me that we're all like. That we all have sort of weird fascinations about bizarre things for sure. And that yeah, is what we do. Yeah. I mean, I think the problem with the search engine thing is that you end up, I end up searching a lot of things before I find the thing that I'm actually going to write about. So there's all yeah. these things I didn't use, but those would be the ones that would get me in trouble. That, that Well, these aren't in your book. Well, that was how I got to this one. And they're like, yeah. I don't see the path. And that makes sense too. That's so. true. That's, no, I, yeah. see that. I did a lot of work on cloning for a while there. Um, that is so for a book great. I didn't write. So, <laughs> well, yeah, probably don't clone anything would be my, okay. yeah, just, I'm trying especially to, I know to clone myself. That would be really handy. <laughs> Two of me. Actually, no, it wouldn't. Cause we would argue. I was going to say also like, you'd be like, what did you do? Cause there'd be things that I would do. And when I, you know, if I wasn't in, if I wasn't 
fully on, you know, in my right mind, that would not be good. Okay, before, but I'm getting, I, this is so fun, but I would, can you, I know you're in the middle or you're writing the second book in the series. I am. And I know it's a magical time. Sometimes we don't like to talk about what we're working on, but can you give us a tiny taste of mm. what Joe Jones gets up to? And you can say no, because that's fair. Sure. No, no, I can. I can. I can give you a tiny taste because um, all the characters that you know and love will be back. Uh, I can tell you that as is my hope for the entire series, each one of those quirky characters gets a little bit more of the spotlight in subsequent books. So you will learn more about Tula, for instance, in this next okay. book and about her. She's quite cagey about her her backstory. And so we get a little bit more about, about Tula. Um, the we, we And Joe Jones is still on the trail of uh, uh, she, some mysteries are solved in the first book yes. and, and some go on. Yes. And she's still on on some trails there and she uh she finds some new interesting quirky people as a result of those uh those researchers. And uh we have a new body. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, we have to have a body. We have to have a body. We have to have a body. Um and uh you know, Joe has managed to get herself embroiled yet again. Of course. And you know, we're uh McAdams is is very frustrated about how this keeps happening. <laughs> <laughs> he's like could you just stay out of trouble for 10 seconds yeah yes. he yeah he's he's very concerned about why she can't seem to stay away from from people who are murdery um murdery. and uh yeah right. murder is murdery and it, she just keeps getting involved and he doesn't know why and it's very fun to watch himself distract over the fact that she's always involved somehow like and usually right before right. he gets involved so right. it's like i if he's going to newcastle he'll get there and she'll already be there you know <laughs> right like, ow Right. Um, yes. I love so, it. And Newcastle and York, which uh, make appearances in the first book, we're back to that again. nice triune of uh, Abington, which Abington is a is not a real place, but I have an Instagram uh, for Netherlay. Okay. I actually do my own artwork. Actually, that's one of my paintings back there. I love that. I've been looking at that. When you move enough, I get to see the woman that's beautiful. Um, so I do, uh, I, I, I've done artwork for the book. So there's pictures of Joe Jones and Gwillem and the detective and Sheila Green. And oh my gosh, okay, wait, tell us, tell us your Instagram handle again. That is an excellent question. Um, I believe <laughs> it's like it's remembering Nether a name, right? Yeah, I think it's Netherlay. I think it's just called Netherlay Mysteries. Let me double check here. Yes, uh, it is Netherlay. So N-E-T-H-E-R-L-E-I-G-H, which is a word that appears it repeatedly does. in that book um and that's you know you can find all sorts of fun okay, pictures of the characters yes. including um pictures of the of the property uh which i have also drawn i don't think i can I blow it up it. big enough for you to see but yeah so oh my gosh you are very talented thank you you're very talented that is amazing um, well yeah so there's lots of that going on so go check that out i'm gonna go follow you right now this was so so fun i really i just i had so much fun with this book and it's i do read a lot of dark stuff so it was fun to read something that was sort of a little bit lighter witty mm -hmm. um but also another like compulsive read and i can't do you have a title for the second one yet I don't. And actually, this title was, uh, we we knocked around quite a few before we came up with this first one. And I wanted to be just as um, yeah intriguingly related to the story. So so I hope I hope we'll we'll come up with another good one. The the other cool thing about it is I, you read it so you know, it's part police procedural and part yeah. sort of cozy. And that that's one of the best things about it because I, I realized for me as an autistic person, we either seem to get described, you know, in a book or uh the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime you're never outside of the autistic character's head 
Right. But but that's not usually where the problem is. <laughs> the right. problem is when you intersect. So right. having part of the book be from Joe's perspective, and you kind of get in there and go, yeah, that makes sense what she's doing. And then yeah. you see it through another character, McAdams usually perspective, looking back at her going, no, out here it does not make sense. Yes. Why are you doing that? Yes. Um, so so it is that is the that's the joy of writing the yeah. book, is I get to I kind agree. of tell both sides of the experience. And it is real, I mean, it's really fun because I agree with you. I Joe makes sense when we're in Joe's head. And I can see also why McAdams is super confused by Joe when we're in McAdams' head. It makes it, it does. And I think that's the beauty of like of, of you know story. What any two characters, right? Because there's this. There's just the perspective difference, but here it's of course a little magnified by her, you know, her autism. And and anyway, it was such a fun read. I I really can't recommend this enough. Um, Brandy Scalace, nice Italian last name, and um, this is out February thirteenth. So 13th. you will go grab your copy. It's such a fun book, and I can't wait, Brandy, for book two. Oh, me too. <laughs> I know you're like, if only it would just finish itself, right? I've gotten to the end. Now I'm in that, like, I write everything longhand. Um, did wow. I mention this? I write everything with a fountain pen. So the book is actually sitting next to me here. I don't know how you do that. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So that's the, oh, I don't think it's going to show up, but there yeah, you go. Yep. I see it. That's, um, so yeah. I have to type all that up. So that's the other bad thing. I get to the end, but then I'm not really at the end because right. I have to type it. Yes. Well, but I can imagine you edit as you type, which is what, you know, I if I make notes and then I type them up, that does help me, but I would never have the patience or the um, finger strength to um, write the whole thing out longhand. You know what? I can beat a lot of people at finger wrestling. I'll tell you I'll what. bet you do. I'm a I'll wrestler from way back. You are very, you have very strong fingers. You'd have to. Um, well, I love that. It was so fun to talk to you today, Brandy. This was uh, Thank you this so was much great. for having me on. Oh, thank you for joining us. Everybody, this is Killer Women with Brandy Scalache. You have to go get The Framed Women of Ardmore House. Such a fun read. And um, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.